How are we doing? Good. Hey, if we've never met before, my name's Steve, and if you're new here, um, welcome. Sit back, relax, and uh, man, have a good time, and hopefully we'll see you at the lunch afterwards. Uh, before we jump in, a quick question. Um, have you ever been... Have you ever woken up, not from your sleep, but just had one of those like reality checks where you wake up and you ask yourself the question, what happened or how on earth did I get here? You ever have one of those moments where you're like, what, how did I get here? And I'm not talking about, you know, where you're leaving work and you drive home and you have no recollection of the roads you took or anything like that. That's just a habit. I'm talking about those moments in life where you have a moment of clarity and you're like, whoa. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me and maybe for a lot of us is just diet and exercise. How are we doing on those New Year's res- resolutions, by the way? Were you good? Yeah. You, like, you wake up one morning and you're like, oh, well, well that happened. Brian Regan, he's a comedian, and I, I think this joke is hilarious. But he says, I made a New Year's resolution to lose 10 pounds. And he goes, only got 20 more to go. I think that's brilliant. And you wake up and you have that moment of clarity. You're like, man, what happened? How did I get here? Uh, maybe another one for you is, is work. You can think out, out of high school or college or whatever, and you got your first job and you were just on fire. You were pumped, man. You're like, okay, I am the first one there and the last to leave. Your email inbox, that thing is zeroed out. It's clear every single day. And you're just, you're on fire. You're around the water cooler and just chopping it up with everybody, having a great time. And then something happens as time goes on, doesn't it? You kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit. And your emails kind of stack up. Maybe you show up late once or twice. You take a sick day. I can't make it today. And then you find yourself, instead of being so on fire for the promotion and the raise, and we're just going to climb this ladder, you kind of, you settle in a little bit and you wonder, am I ever going to get the promotion? Is that raise ever coming? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those moments of clarity were like, oh man, it's funny. I was talking with my wife about this. We were at the dinner table with our boys and I'm talking about, you know, those moments. And she goes, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like in our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go on. (laughs) I'm curious. She's like, you know, like, yeah, we're in college. We're hitting the gym. We're trying to be funny. You buy flowers just because, not because you were wrong or did something mean, but just because. Those little post-it notes, the sticky notes, you'd write like, I love you. And you put it in the drawer. So she reaches for, you know, a knife or something. It's like, oh my gosh, I love you. Or like on the steering wheel. There's the guy in the back. He's like, oh, that's really good. (laughs) Glad I came to church today. I actually learned something. But you know what I mean? And then you wake up, you got a couple kids and you wake up down the road and you're like, oh, well, here we are. This is life. And I, I, listen, listen, we do this on every category in our lives. We we really do. And, and, And here's the answer to really what happened. The answer is simply this. You drifted. Here was the target. And then somewhere along the line, and you don't notice it in the beginning. You're off by one, maybe two degrees. You don't notice it in the beginning, but you drift, don't we? We drift and then we wake up and we realize it, but we don't realize it until that gap is bigger than one or two degrees. We we realize, we say, oh man, I missed it. Now, here's the key. I don't want anyone to feel bad that they drifted. We're human. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. So don't feel bad about that. Here's what I think we might want to consider feeling bad about. And that is if you realize that you've drifted and you decide to not do anything about it. Then I think, that's terrible. You've just settled and said, well, it is what it is. No, it's not what it is what it is. You've made choices that have led you to what it is. Which means that we can make choices to get back on target, right? 
And here's the deal, not just because we're at church, but I, I simply believe this. Our spiritual life is the foundation for everything good in this world. And if that drifts, then every other aspect of our life is in danger. That's going to drift as well. The spiritual life is the foundation. And so, yes, we're at church. We are going to talk about that. But I think on a very practical term, man, if, if you're not right with God, if you're not at peace, if you're not on mission, if you're not eyes on the prize, you're locked in on that target, the rest of your life is out of whack as well. So we want to talk about that this morning because it is, in fact, the most important aspect of life. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Acts. It'll be Acts chapter 2. And, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And uh, Acts chapter 2, and we'll pick it up in verse 22. But let me give you a little bit of context. Um, It's the day of Pentecost, which means... 50. And uh, it's 50 days after Passover. This is when the Israelites left Egypt. God freed them from being slaves. So Passover is a big deal. And 50 days after is Pentecost. And so we have a great festival where people, primarily men, would leave their families and their nations, their towns, their villages, wherever they were. It's a very diverse community and would come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And so this is, there, there's hundreds of people here. There's thousands of people here. And they all show up and they have different cultures, different customs, but they're, they're Jewish. And so they show up and they're observing the festival, right? Because this is a really big deal. And something crazy happens. The, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and they start speaking the languages of all these different people. And you can read about it more on your own time, but it's fascinating because they start speaking these languages and they're like, you're ordinary fishermen. Like you didn't have an education. How are you bilingual, trilingual, quadruple lingual? How, how are you speaking the language? And with any large group of people, there's always the cynical type, right? Some people are like, well, something spiritual and miraculous is happening. This is incredible. God is moving. What's going on? And then you have the other people that kind of sit in the back and they're like, nah, no, they're just drunk. And Peter, in a moment of wisdom, says, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. It's in your Bible. You got to read it. It's hilarious. And so in this moment, all this stuff is happening. And then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, gives the first sermon. He does a pretty good job. He gives the first sermon. So here we go. And this is Peter. He has stuck his foot in his mouth so many times. Read your Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we get to Acts. And the Holy Spirit is moving. And it's incredible. So here's kind of the context, and let's, let's jump in. Okay, verse 22, chapter 2, verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, here's the deal. Um, they had either seen this or they had heard about it. We're talking two months, basically, give or take a couple days, roughly two months after Easter. This is when this is happening. It's fresh. It's not two years ago. It's not 20 years ago. It's roughly two months. So yeah, you know, you've heard the stories. You were probably at the crucifixion. You probably didn't travel back to your hometown and then come back again. You probably just camped out. You know, you've seen these things. Verse 23, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Uh Uh-oh. But, verse 24, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. It's getting personal now. It's getting real at church. Whom you crucified, he's made him both Lord and Messiah. 
When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Attend church regularly and go on a short-term missions trip. (laughs) Now, if you're not laughing, it's because you're not reading your Bible. (laughs) That's not at all what he said. He said this, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, literally, change your thinking. Do a 180 in your thought process and be baptized. And I love this. This is the baptism. This is, um, it's, it's an action. It's also an identity. So it's not just repent and believe this intellectual statement to be true. It's change your identity and your practice and your action and your thought. It's we want you to go down and be baptized under the water, identify with the death of Jesus Christ, and be raised like Christ into a new life. Are you with me? This is the message that has been preached. This is what Peter is saying. He said, don't just believe this fundamental statement to be true and do nothing about it. I want you to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it gets better. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for, what's that phrase? All who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. For all who are far, what's that word? Off. I love this. Because. Because. That was me. That was many of you. We could go around the room if we had time. And we could all raise our hand and say, I remember when I was far off. And this is the promise. And I've put my faith in this. I've staked my life on this. I have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Which means, and I think the world needs to know this, you're never too far off from God, are you? He's right there. I love this. He's right there. So number one in your notes, we'll start with the ideal and then we'll talk a little bit about the drift because we all do it. Number one, the church began with people putting their faith in a person and an event. The person is Jesus, and the event is the death and resurrection. Not, listen, not religious behavior. The church began with people putting their faith in a person, Jesus, and an event, the death and resurrection, not religious behavior. It's really important that we understand what makes you a Christian and what doesn't qualify as making you a Christian. Let me kind of read you through a list. These are the things that don't make you a Christian. Singing worship songs. Giving generously, praying, because you can pray to whomever, whenever, fasting, or Bible study. What makes you a Christian is putting your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what makes you a Christian. Not whether you've memorized all the worship songs, you know the scriptures, you've seen the things, you've written the checks, you've gone on the missions trip, your church attendance for 2021 is at 100%. Those are all good things. But that's not what qualifies you or makes you as a Christian. So we have to get rid of this phrase. And I I hear it around church, and I'm not mad about it, but I want to warn us about this. We have these phrases that sometimes sink in, whether someone has said it to you or you may have thought this. But the idea of a good Christian and a bad Christian... These are really dangerous because when we look at a good Christian, what do we see? We see the outside. We see their behavior and we make judgments based on their behavior. But the outside, they're just acting and we go, well, they know all the rules and they're doing the things that you're supposed to do and they're not doing the things you're not supposed to do. 
Are you with me? And you look at the quote-unquote bad Christian, and you say, well, they're not doing all the things, and they're not not doing all the things, so they're a bad Christian. And what we're really talking about is obedience. And here's the problem with quote-unquote bad Christians. Um, They might just recently put their faith in Jesus. And the good Christian has been at this for a couple years, let alone a decade, or a couple are you with me? So they know certain things. And the new Christians like, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. I had no idea. No one ever told me that thing. You've been trying and fighting this sin and being victorious and having people pray over you for years. I just found out that I wasn't supposed to do this. It's going to take a minute for my behavior to adjust. Pop quiz. Which one does Jesus love more, the good Christian or the bad Christian? Both the same. That's really important and really good. Okay, another pop quiz. Question number two. Which one does Jesus love most, the Christian or the atheist? Both. For God so loved the world, also known as humanity, also known as you and I. Because what makes you a Christian is not your religious behavior, although we want you to be obedient. What makes you and I a Christian is the belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. And listen, because of that, we get the Holy Spirit, which convicts us, which empowers us to live in a righteous way, a God-honoring way, to not desire sinful things, but to desire pure things, holy things, good things. This is really, really good and really, really important, because otherwise, you're just living by a set of moral guidelines, and you have no idea why. Listen, do you know why the Bible says that you shouldn't gossip? Do you know why? Not, not because if you do, you're a bad person, but because when you and I gossip about people, it hurts them. It's not loving them. It does damage to them. It's not about a list of rules that you follow. It's about believing in Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and out of your love and devotion to God and your love and devotion to people, that we live rightly. Does this make sense? This is a a very important distinction that uh, I think we need to remind ourselves. But here's the drift. I talked about it. We all drift. Here's the drift. The drift towards standards and away from grace. Standards could be replaced with rules or practices. The idea that once you become more like this, then we will let you do this. If you quit this sin, then you can do this. If you would do more of this, then we'll allow you to do this. And again, this is a delicate, this is a delicate thing. And I promise you, I promise you, we're going to screw this up. So let's be gracious with one another. But hear me out. If you have all grace and no standards, the whole thing falls apart and crumbles. If you have all standards and no grace, no one wants to participate. Some of you, you've grown up in that. And you're like, I'm good. No, thanks. If that's what it means to be a Christian, eh, I'm out. The good news is that's not what it means to be a Christian. That's not it at all. So you have to have both. And Jesus was phenomenal at this. He was the master at this. He came in with 100% standards or rules or structure or guidelines, whatever word you want to use with that, maybe even truth. And he came in with 100% grace. He hangs out with the tax collector and says, hey, you can come follow me. Be a part of our community. Be a part of what I am doing. This is Jesus Christ we're talking about. And then he says, by the way, we're going to work on We You have some rough spots. We need to smooth out a little bit. Some sharp corners. We're going to sand those things down a little bit. We've got to work on your character. Because you're stealing from your people. You can read all throughout the Gospels where Jesus interacts with the social, social outcasts that have no business being in any spiritual context, any religious gathering. And he meets them where they are. And he says, I love you. I value you. You are important. But go and sin no more. 
It's, it's a hundred, it, this is not a tension to, to balance or try and equal out. It's a hundred percent both and. And here's what I, I'm going to say, and then we'll get off it because it, it's, mm, I can feel the tension. Some of you, you're more like structure and standard people. And you're like getting ready to write that comment card. And some of you are all grace people. You're like, yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> here's the thing. Two things. We're going to screw this up. So let's be gracious with one another. Because we're human, okay? And if, if you had to choose a side to err on, like if you got to choose, I would suggest that you err on the side of grace. If you had to pick a side. Some of you, you've gone to churches, you've been in organizations, maybe even your family where it was all one or the other. And it's damaging. We need to be a community that is both. Because what makes you a Christian is not your moral behavior, even though that's really important. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a really big deal. Saw one guy in the back put that comment card back. Thanks. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. It's delicate. I know. I know. Number, uh, no, let's keep reading. This is Peter's sermon, right? We're still going. Verse 40. With many other words, he warned them. This is the crowd. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his, mass, his message were baptized. And about, what's that number? Three. Three thousand were added to their number that day day one baby take our church double it in one day do you know how long it would take to baptize three thousand people joel and the band's up here and they're like all right sing the chorus again here we go like keep it going baby like it's gonna take a long time here's what's fascinating about this number two number two in your notes church is a community of people not a location or a building. Amen. It's a community of people. They didn't have, they did have a location where they were at, but they did not have a building. You're like, well, the temple and the synagogue, yet yeah, those were full. Those were being used for other things. They couldn't just march in and go, now we're going to take it over. I mean, they had 3000, which was really impressive, but do you understand what I'm saying? This started with Peter saying, here's who Jesus is. Repent and be baptized. And the people went, okay, let's do that. And they joined. It's a community of people. They didn't go to a building or say, here's the location. Keep reading. They're not bound by a location. The church, the gospel is not bound by a location. Um, you don't have to flip there. I'll read it for you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, this thing has no location. It's not bound by geography. To be the church, to be a Christian, is to be in community with one another. Now, here's, there's this drift, right? The drift is towards preserving rather than advancing. So here's what I mean by this. We have this building now that we have to take care of. We've got to preserve the building. And it is in a location, right? It is in Linden. One of the coolest things that happened in COVID in 2020, and I know that sounds weird, but one of the coolest things that happened to 2020 is that the church and Christians were reminded that church is a community of people. It's not a building or a location. Friends, we couldn't gather in the building. And that's, that's okay. Church is not a building. So here's what we did. And you experienced this and were a part of it. And it was awesome. Where'd we go? We went straight to the internet, didn't we? Because it's, it's a community of people. We went straight to the internet and we realized we're not bound by a building as nice as a building is. We're not bound by city limits Amen. as great as Linden and Whatcom County is. 
We can reach anyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ if they have Wi-Fi or a cell phone. Imagine the possibilities. COVID has reinforced this and made this so loud and so clear in my mind. We're not bound by this. But here's the tendency is we tend to go and preserve rather than advance. And what's very dangerous about this is that the people that came before us, the people that helped get this place here, they didn't preserve. They advanced. Many of them, they they squeezed every ounce, every cent out of their budget and wrote checks that helped purchase land, that helped purchase facilities, that bought things. And we have websites and we have paint and we have advertising and we have events that we do. Someone has paid for lunch so that new people can come and get connected. I mean, all of these things, these are real things that happen when the church is advancing. But when we preserve, we go, ah, I don't know if we can do that. Ugh. And we start, here's how you know you're preserving and you're not advancing. You start having a lot of conversations that, that start with, remember when? Remember when we did that event? Remember when we sang that song? That was such a good song. Do you remember that? And, and here's how you can always be advancing. You have to ask yourself the question, what am I willing to risk to reach this generation and the next generation? And I pray I do this. I pray and I say, Lord, let that answer be everything. I don't want to be foolish. That, that's a whole other thing. But I do want to take the risk to go and reach people for Jesus Christ. And I want 3,000 people in one day to put their faith in Jesus and experience what I've experienced. And I know you do too. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this, whether in the building or online. I mean, we're a community of people. This, I think, is powerful. It's the drift towards preserving rather than advancing. We've got to be careful. We always have to be looking forward. What is next? Because we tend to get stuck and we go, I love that song. Preserving is going, oh, well, we've got to protect the organ because that's God's worship instrument of choice. (laughs) So every song is going to have the organ. And along comes another generation and they go, um, we don't like the organ. We love drums and an electric guitar. Can we have that? A preserving church says no. An advancing church says, sure. What else? Because it, it's important to that generation. We're, we're going to use that. See, the people that got us here today, man, we stand on the shoulders of giants, but faithful people, obedient people, people who've risked, we ought to do the same. Yes. I want to encourage us. I want to challenge us. Let's keep moving. Okay, Acts chapter 2. So you've got 3,000 people. They're gathered together. What do they do? Great question. Glad you asked. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Number three, the Christian faith must be lived in community, not isolation. You can't do those things by yourself. You can read your Bible by yourself. Okay. You can't pray together by yourself. Are you with me? You can have a, listen, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. You cannot have a private one. The gospel or the greatest commandment is to love God 
and to love people. Some of us, we're extroverts. I'm an extrovert, if you haven't noticed. I have the capacity um, to be connected to a lot of people. I love people. Introverts, smaller capacity. Does the capacity matter at all? No. It matters that you're with people. You read through your, your New Testament. There are over 31 another commandments. Love one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens. You can't do those if you don't have a one another. So this community, the Christian faith, the church must be lived in community, not isolation. And here's the drift. The drift is always towards insiders and away from outsiders. Because I have my friends, I'm good. Or I have my strong extended family, I'm good. Let me, um, let me illustrate it this way. I, I handpicked five people before the service started. Can you guys come up and join me on stage? I handpicked five people. There's a couple of um, One, two, three, four, five. Perfect. Come on up. Say, go ahead. Welcome them up. Give them a hand. Okay. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to form a circle. And here, come right over here. And let's, let's form a circle around here. And someone has to be brave. And I'll move this back a little bit and stand right here. Don't fall. Last service, someone was on the top step, and I was like, we'll see what happens. They were good. Nothing bad happened. Now, here's the deal. When we gather as a community, when we have church on Sunday morning, a lot of churches throughout the U.S., it looks like this. It's people coming together, seeing one another, old friends, having a great time together, singing our favorite songs with our favorite worship instruments and having conversations in the commons over church coffee and, hey, good seeing you. I'll see you next week in the church parking lot. We're doing all these things together with one another. Here's the bad thing. This is all inside. As a new person that moves into town, maybe new to faith, maybe just new to North County, it's, it's very difficult for them to get in. Why? Because if I stand right here, only two people can see me. Two out of the five. That's not great. Only two of them can see me. And so it's hard to get in. And you know this as well. As you go and develop your relationships, you're involved in small groups, you're serving in ministries. As you, what happens? Your relationships get closer and they get tighter, which means it's difficult. It's more difficult for someone to get in who's on the outside. So here's what we need to be, what the church needs to be. And this is what they did in Acts 2. I want all of you just turn, turn around, face outwards. This is what it looks like to gather as the church. We come together, we can, we can talk to each other, we're in each other's peripheral vision, we've seen each other, we've probably seen each other during the week anyways, right? Linda's big, it's not that big, you know? So we're here, and we can see each other, we can sing our favorite songs, we can do new things, but more importantly, we notice the new person coming, don't we? How many people notice them? Now we got four out of the five with the peripheral vision thing. It's going to work. The new person walks in and we can see them and say, hey, how are you? And you may be an introvert and you're like, I don't have any more room for social relationships. Let me introduce you to the nearest extrovert. <laughs> and you're good, baby. That's how this works. But listen, okay, turn, turn back and face each other one more time. If we are like this, we do not grow. We have inward conversations. We have inward uh, inside jokes. We develop our own language. And it's very difficult for people on the outside to get in. And I'm convinced that what made the church so powerful in the very, very beginning is that when they gathered, they looked out. Peter says, there's a crowd of 3,000 people. Here we go, Jesus. And he, he sees them. They all come together and they're all devoting themselves to the teaching, to prayer. They're breaking bread together. That's a big cafeteria with lots of tables. <laughs> yes, you have a seat. You can sit next to us. We have room. In this building, online, wherever, we have room. 
if you're on the outside, it's a big, it's a big church. It's hard to see. I've only been here for a year, so I can't see every new person. I don't know if you've been here for 10 years or a week, but come say hi. And I promise you, we are and will continue to be a church that is constantly looking out for new people because we just want you to put your faith in Jesus. We want you to have new life. Okay, give it up for them. Thank you guys. That was great. You did awesome. Here it is. The last phrase is simply this. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, daily, those that were being saved. So here's the question for you. As we talk about drift, we we all drift from time to time, don't we? I want to ask you where out of those three points might you have drifted? And again, it's okay if you've drifted, but it's not okay for you to stay there. Let's get back on target. Maybe for you, you've been all standards and no grace. And you've drifted that way. And we, we need to bring you back. Maybe you've been focused on uh, behavior modification and less on just faith in Jesus and trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in people. I, I, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is, but we've all drifted. And I just want to take this time and say, hey, let's come back. Let's come back together. So here's how we're going to wrap up this service. And I, and I can't think of a better way to do this. We're going to take communion. And so I'm going to invite the band to come on up, and I'm going to ask that you would reflect during this song. See, we're coming back to communion. The heart of communion is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that's it. That's the gospel. And Christians and churches for centuries have rallied around this, not other things. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so as the band gets up and they're, they're getting set for this song, honestly, let's not rush the moment. We all have things, but can we pause for a couple minutes? And I, I like to remember this, that phrase I read earlier, all who are far off or far away from God. That, that was me. And that was you at one point, I'm sure. Some of you, you still feel this way. You're not sure if God loves you or not. And I'm, I'm telling you, you're not the only one that's felt that way. And you're not far off from God. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to put your faith in him. So I want to encourage you, take a moment during this song, reflect, pray, talk with God, and try to remember that moment where you drifted and you were far from God and he brought you back.